welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping product managers become product masters. Listen and get ready to take your career to the next level for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, your host, and this is where you make your move from product manager to product master. I've received emails from listeners at times asking where they can find information on other episodes, not just the one you're listening to now. And I realize that most of you have probably not visited the podcast page on my website. And that page organizes all of the past podcasts by levels of my product mastery roadmap. So regardless of where you are in your journey from product manager to product master, you'll find valuable interviews with insights to help you be successful. And that organized index of all the episodes is at theeverydayinnovator.com. Just go there and you'll see the complete index of all the interviews. Now, to further encourage you to take a look at that page, I do have a special gift for you. It's the top 10 insights from the first 100 plus interviews. And what I've done is briefly summarize 10 of the most important tools, techniques, and advice from those first 100 plus episodes. And it's yours. Just go to theeverydayinnovator.com and you can download it. And while there, take a look at some of the other past episodes and see if you find some others to provide value to you on your way to product mastery to help you be more successful. Now, one of the competencies on that path from product manager to product master is leadership. As product managers and innovators, we rarely have any actual authority. For example, we can't fire and hire employees. What we do have is influence. And it's this competency that allows you to motivate others to support your ideas and plan. At the core of leadership is influence. This interview explores how to develop influence and become a leader. My guest is Ken Lane. He's the principal coach at Summit Catalyst, where he provides senior executive coaching and helps organizations with strategy development and implementation, change management, and executive team development. You'll find the show notes for this episode at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 145. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Ken, welcome to the Everyday Innovator podcast. Glad to be here, Chad. So we're talking leadership, which is kind of this yeah. heavy thing some of the time. The reason why we're talking about it is because a lot of product managers and people involved in innovation, they're in the role because they want to have a bigger impact you know, themselves and on, on the organization, and they aspire to move into more significant leadership roles. Let's start with just this context here of what does it mean to be a leader in an organization? Well, great question, because we're all wondering at some level, what's our pathway in this organization? What's yeah. my my direction that I'm going to go? And um, in that special role of being a product manager, uh, you are at one level working kind of a, with a future orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the future need of the customers that that will that will um, my, my help my organization mm-hmm. be able to, to to serve them? And to do that, they have to rely on a lot of other people. Could right. be engineering, could be QA, could be sales, could be uh, research uh, to be able to come up with this solution. Um, and that that. Um, that space allows you contact and visibility um, in in being able to think about what's next and how a product manager handles that the, with the the co challenge of of executing against the the actual development of the product and keeping um, 
their mind's eye on how do I make a good impression while I go about this. There's a lot of moving wheels at the same time, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there sure are. There <laughs> sure are. So for being a leader in an organization, um, oftentimes that gets reserved to people uh, or we conceive of it as how many people report to me. But that's not always true, is it? The, the idea of a leader right. can be um, someone who is at the forefront, someone who, in fact, is, is helping to guide, to encourage um, others. And I would think that's, that's really a catalyst as I work my, with my clients and in particular helping leaders to think about that pathway forward because some of the work I do with organizations, they want to create a pool of future leaders and uh, mm-hmm. looking at the types of characteristics that make good leaders um, oftentimes are, are those who believe in themselves and are taking the, uh, the opportunity and the initiative to lead in whatever area of, of the business they may be. Absolutely. So kind of being at that forefront, there, there's one organization that we help each year uh, kind of develop their product managers. And it's, we, we call it the RPM experience, the Revolutionary Product Mastery Experience. And it's just training to go through to get them grounded on what it really means to be a product manager. And in their case, a lot of the people are very experienced in the organization. They're just moving into a product management role. But since we've done this for a few years, what they've noticed is that the product managers that go through that program are much more likely to become leaders in the organization in the next three to five year kind of time range, right? That gives them a good foundation because they're kind of on the forefront already, but now they're translating it to other roles. And that's going to be great news for someone who's tuning in, tuning into your podcast and maybe at that early stage to go, oh, wow, I'm in this, this rarefied space that, that feeds into potential leadership for the organization. And, and building your awareness about that can also say, I need to be intentional about that impression that I make and developing myself for that next potential step that can mm-hmm. come in this organization. I think one of the frustrating aspects of being a product manager, and it's not unique to product management, it happens in some other roles too, we, we tend to have a lot of responsibility, right? We're, we're building this new thing that the expectations are high in terms of revenue generating power for the company, and also hopefully delivering value to the customer, or we won't see that revenue. And that, that's where this term sometimes gets used, the mini CEO, right? The product managers mm-hmm. of the mini CEO, which many people, ha- ha- including myself, don't like it because it's not very accurate. Because one aspect that's not accurate is we have no power. We have no authority, right? We can't just say something's mm-hmm. going to happen and, and make it happen. But that same frustration, I think, becomes an advantage when it comes to building your capability as a leader, because mm-hmm. that means you have to use your influence and how do you persuade people that you have no authority over and other functions to contribute to a product development, uh, to be part of the product team and actually deliver what you need them to deliver. That's always been a good quality I've seen of leaders is the ones that have real power, real authority in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, they can fire and hire people. They tend to not use it, right? They, they, mm-hmm. they tend to exhibit some influence instead. What do you think about that in terms of you know, the, the, this frustration product managers have turning that into an asset that kind of prepares them for leadership. Perhaps I could suggest a model. This comes from mm-hmm. a gentleman by the name of Itchak Adizis, former business professor um, at UCLA and now a consultant to mid to large size organizations and change management initiatives. And mm-hmm. um, as he works with them, there's a model that he calls CAPI, the coalescence of authority, power and influence. It's helpful to understand these forces of 
of management that exists within any, any organization. They're not a force of management, but just um, forces that exist within the business. Because authority is defined as that legal right to say yes and no. Uh, that's a legal right that's granted to them. So uh-huh. many people have that authority, but they don't have the power to execute against a particular project. And they may not even have all the information, thus the influencer. The uh-huh. other area is the power. Power is that ability to grant or withhold cooperation um, uh, or to grant or reward uh, uh, um, the um reward to someone or to withhold that reward Mm -hmm. from them. Um, Sometimes we think of power as only existing at the top. So the latter description to grant or withhold reward is more of a top-down. But the the power that's available in cooperation is – or not cooperating can be expressed at the very bottom of the organization. So power mm-hmm. exists really across the spectrum. And then influence is, as you've just said, uh, that ability to get things done without using authority or power. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes when a project manager is trying or a product manager is attempting to get something accomplished, he needs to pull in the right authority to get something um, because it affects certain areas and I need your yes to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then power from different areas in the organization because they need the cooperation in order for this new solution to come across. Um, the opportunity to do that is an influencer. It would be one of the, gres- the greatest laboratories of leadership learning there because if you're given title, you can wield that sword and make it happen very quickly. Um, if you're given power, you can just say, I'm not going to go there. Um, but the influencer role you really have to hone your ability to motivate others to understand what's important to them in order to build that overlapping or that coalescence of authority, power, and influence in the project that's moving forward or the product development so that you're successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes that may be why um, the, the the product manager is uh, oftentimes looked to as a potential leader in the organization because they've learned how to develop that um, and look to others in a way that um, isn't uh, exploiting either authority or power in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem like the role has an advantage. The the ones who do well in the role, they've built trust among the other functions of the, of the organization. That's right. So, for example... We, as product managers, we often get asked by salespeople to help them with different things, right? And then sometimes that becomes a, another frustration itself because we, it ties up our time too much. But I've seen product managers that build really good relationships with sales and sales professionals and sales managers, that build really good relationships with marketing and, and other functions. But those tend to be the two key ones, but certainly engineering and others too. And over time, you know, this is just goodwill, right? You, you establish yeah. goodwill with others. You build a rather powerful network because people trust you and they're, they're willing to support you because they trust you. Yeah. It's interesting. I have worked in organizations where I've seen uh, leaders uh, rise and um, I've also seen leaders who either depart from their own free will or, or a decision is made and they're let go. But the star isn't just what rises and the star isn't just what leaves the organization it's the entire constellation and so that goes to your comment mm-hmm. there, that network of relationships that are developed along that that pathway so it's not just uh, me and my and everything i'm doing 
I am a star that's part of a constellation, and as I succeed, others succeed along with me. Right. Or vice versa, you may be part of the constellation of someone else who, as they rise, you also come up into their uh, constellation. Right. One of my business mentors along the way, he was really good at developing people and giving them opportunities in other parts of the company. Right. So mm. a, a big organization where formally every 18 months you could change, change roles. Right. So, you know, that, that kind, kind of structure and some, some organizations do that. And he was always very eager to help people go explore other roles they were interested in. And on one hand, you know, you could be pr- protective and say, gosh, I got this great employee. I don't really want them to go help someone else. Right. I want to you know, keep my group together. But I saw over time how much influence he grew in the organization mm just because he had people who he had helped as their manager that were now in other parts that might be in roles, you know, above him over time. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, this great kind of informal influence because of that. And that, that this was the first time that I kind of opened my eyes and went, oh, that's really powerful to have relationships in other functions of the organization. Yeah, you must have seen this as well, that that, that oftentimes happens. That just because you hired somebody doesn't mean you might not report to them. Yeah, um, exactly. Because based on their success, if you've really identified a person of, of quality, um, who's to say where that might go is in the opportunity to develop. Mm-hmm. So never burn a bridge and don't right. just because you're above somebody today, it's going to stay that way. Yeah, because the relationships do change and they reverse and never burn a bridge is really important advice. When I worked in uh, Silicon Valley, in fact, I had someone who I was a peer to uh, beginning, and then there was a shift, and then they reported to me. Uh, we changed companies, got headhunted away, and he reported to me. I left. He took over the leadership role. And then yet again in another company, he was the VP, and I was coming in as a senior director. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of dance that can happen. It may not just be in this company. Um, it could be beyond into the next company. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Build those relationships and take care of them along the way. Yeah, exactly. What about specific actions? So product managers that are are purposely thinking about, you know, I'd like to have a larger role in this organization. I want to start moving into a leadership role, whether that, that may be a role inside of product, you know, in some aspect mm-hmm. of that, or just a role inside the organization. You know, we've certainly seen leaders that product people that move into uh, other slots and other functions. Let's talk about some ways that they can make that happen. You know, experiences they might look for along the way to help them develop their leadership skills or resources they might try to pull in what what they could use. Yeah, there's definitely a couple of ideas on that. As you become aware that, um, one, there's a possibility that you could advance in leadership. um, And and not that somebody is offering you a role now, but simply by virtue of what you've mentioned here, Chad, is um, product managers oftentimes are positioned uh, with exposure and moving into that leadership role. That would, is the level of awareness that I'm talking about here. I would say one of the things you can do is become curious. Hmm. Um, find people or maybe the, certain areas above you or organizational leaders and invite them to lunch. Um, approach them in the hallway and, and get curious about a question that you might ask them. Um, I remember going to um, one of the, the dot-coms that I worked for, going to the president of the company, and I simply had a question for him. I said, I'm, I'm curious, um, what was your first job? And it's mm-hmm. interesting when you ask a certain question that's safe and simple, 
um, what you might get back from that. And do people have any other reason to be interested in you other than that you're interested in them? And when you when you build that type of curiosity relationship with somebody, they oftentimes will go out of, they look at you differently and will go out of their way to behave towards you on that. Um, if that, in fact, develops, and depending on the time frame and how that is, you may even ask um, if they would mentor you. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a little bit bigger step, but um, it, it's very possible. Some organizations formally do that, but um, again, it's one of those ways to show initiative that I know I'm in this space, but I want to know more. And I believe that I can learn from you is a very flattering thing. And um, oftentimes mentors want to help their protégés in that respect. Mm-hmm. So th- those would be a, a couple of, of areas that I would say. The other thing I think you could do very quickly is never never be afraid to volunteer for something. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's always the challenge with work-life balance. But the idea of, of if something comes up and it's a little bit on the in-between, most people will respond, that's not my job. But if you step into that gap and say, I'm willing to help, that will, again, be something that helps differentiate who you are and, and the people's perception of you. And those are all ways to stand out, too. Exactly. Being curious about people itself, I think, is a really useful tool. And be, mm. you know, the more you find out about the people, the better the reaction they're likely to have about you too. The you know, invite people to lunch is a tip that I often recommend. If you mm. just do this once a week, then you're going to end up with forty to fifty new people that you might not otherwise have known in the organization. Absolutely. And for product managers, I usually share that in the context of you know, meet people in the functions you have to work with, right? You're going to be working Mm. with sales and marketing and production and development, R&D. Start meeting some of those people and just find out Mm. what their job is like. I like the context that you put it in, which was asks maybe some of those leaders, some of the people that are in roles that could be good mentors for you, right? And get Mm. to know them better. Uh, This uh, topic of, uh, or tip of asking simple, safe questions, Mm. I, I like how you frame, frame that. So mm-hmm. I've heard the tip before of, you know, be the one to stand out maybe like at a town hall and ask a really good question. It's mm-hmm. hard to sometimes find one that actually feels safe. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> You're not sure how it's going to be interpreted, but at a lunch, like, you know, that's a great question. Like, you know, how, how did you get started in your career? What was your first job? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what, what did you enjoy in college? Um, I recall, I can't remember the company this was. I just recall reading about this uh, several years ago now. It was a, a graduate that was very desirable. So, for, you know, he had the right characteristics and the right background and experiences. And he had the opportunity for two great companies to go work for. And they both had, had given him really good offers. And at the time, this was when the, the tight hiring market for really good people. The thing he asked for to make the deciding factor was, well, you know, could I have dinner with the CEO once a year? Mm. Right. And he just wanted the opportunity to, to get to know the CEO and pick his mind, get that experience. And, and they said, sure, we, we, we can make that happen. And uh, I, I thought that was an interesting thing to ask for. Sometimes to be um, uh, bold about what is interesting to you can be one of those things, those characteristics that differentiate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just someone who just waits for things to happen to you, 
welcome to the mass majority of uh, what's going on. But if you're uh, demonstrating yourself as a go-getter, within reason, obviously, um, it it can be risky. I I was working for um, uh, uh, an engineering, I was doing systems engineering for a company, and uh, I had received a new boss uh, to report to. And my first meeting with him, the hi, how you do, was I was – I had to explain to them that I'd been doing some comparative research on salary basis and my entire team needed raises um, and that I needed the next month off because I had uh, a commitment I had to do. And um, he was completely open to it and said, okay, sounds good. You've backed this up with research and um, we'll have you back and you have the strategy for when you're away, how this will will be covered. So um, sometimes the questions you think that are going to be impossible are received well when you're confident about it. Right. Yeah. And you've thought through solutions and alternatives to consider and, and right, you, you've done your homework. Yes. So yeah. and you're not just bringing problems up. When it comes to that mentoring relationship, curious what your experience has been like. I think even in, in organizations that have a mentoring program in place, it's still always better to try to find a connection that, that just feels right. Right. So, you know, yeah. you, you do that lunch, you get to know someone and they say, you know, I think this is someone that can help me. They seem to have an interest in, in what I do too. And as opposed to the sometimes forced mentoring relationship, and I, when I have talked to mentors in these programs, like, yeah, I got to, you know, I, I have my two people I have to take on this year to mentor, right? And they're not, they're uncomfortable about who they're going to end up with too, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, the, the organic approach versus that mechanistic yeah. style can, can definitely produce, uh, better rewards, not only for the, the protege, mentee, but also for the mentor themselves because um, they're looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And um, again, um, beginning with that questioning point, that curiosity um, in the other person um, can be the, the perfect ground that then uh, makes it very comfortable to they then say, "Could I think there's more I'd like to learn from you. Um, and, and mentors oftentimes respond better to that. Um, and there's obviously lots of stuff about then how to set up a mentoring relationship uh, on that. But it, again, it, it heightens your visibility. And when an opening comes comes up, um, as, as often happens in growing companies, um, you know, your name is is top of mind in someone who's at a, a, a high leadership position. So that's not a bad thing to have. Mm-hmm. Excellent. For other resources for product managers, and earlier in my career, I went through a leadership development program through the Center for Creative Leadership, CCL, mm-hmm. uh, which I found very enlightening, very helpful for me. I, I heard a, a, another podcast recently uh, with Ken Blanchard and his co-author, who I don't remember his name, her, her name. Uh, they, they just wrote a book on mentoring and mm-hmm. the mentoring relationship and uh, thought, thought that might be uh, interesting to check out more, too. Do you have a favorite resource or a book or something to say, you know, this is a good perspective on on leadership to get your hands around? You know, one of the things is, uh, again, I work with different clients is there's uh, the importance of becoming uh, aware of your own leadership style. And Mm. obviously at CCL, you took a battery of different leadership assessments uh, going through that that marathon experience of of becoming aware of what is it that that the strengths that I have and the mm-hmm. impact that I can have on others. 
Um, there is a book, uh, again, I'll recommend Ichakadizi's Management and Mismanagement Styles. Hmm. Um, and it's uh, less a book to read from cover to cover than it is to begin to explore um, at first the different styles that are relevant to you. Um, and that can come up as, as you go through in the book. Um, and learning more about what works best for your style and how to, how to work with others. Um, some of that will already be intuitive. But the other part that's helpful to it is um, to understand what your impact, the, the impact of your style on other people. Mm. If you're a gregarious go-getter idea person, um, sometimes um, when you come around someone who is more um, introverted, um, you might just uh, just run all over them and not give them the space to to get the, the information and the perspective that could be critical to the success of whatever you're working on. So uh -huh. it's insights like that which will help you say, I need to pause a lot longer here than I normally would in a conversation and not just drive it in order to get this perspective. So that's a, that's a, a good book I'd, I'd recommend. And the title again was Management and Mismanagement Styles? Correct. By Itchak Adizes, A-D-I-Z-E-S. Okay, and I'll make a note in the show notes for a link to that book to make it easy for listeners to find that. appreciate you sharing that resource. That battery of assessment, you know, I think assessments are really important to help us become more self-aware of our own styles and what our own default styles are aren't necessarily the ones that would work best in the specific situation or with the styles of the other people involved. And the more aware we are, the more flexible we tend to be in trying to respond, right? And, and, yes. And not, you know, when the pressure's on, I, I, if I'm not being aware, I'll go to my default style, which may or may not serve me well. Yeah, or if I'm in a uh, having a, a bad day, that I might have a, a backup style that might kick in, and being aware of like, oh wait a second, I, I just called that that product meeting today, and I'm having everybody in the room. What do I need to do to fill my tank to be in the right headspace to do this, so I don't just go in there and you know function more from my backup style than than that. And um, so that that's that's very true. Um, and I think the crowd of product managers will perhaps naturally have a, a greater ability to work with people. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's a, a, a assumption I would see from from working with them in different companies. What what taking the time to look at a book like I mentioned might do or, or some of these other resources might just help you be that much more aware of it rather than it happening intuitively, uh, you know, kind of a unconscious competent moving sure. to conscious competency on that. Yeah, you know, this is a muscle we can build. We just need to focus on it for a little bit and, and develop it. The other aspect that kind of ties into that for me and mentorship is the ability to get feedback. Because mm -hmm. I think often we're, we're blind to some of the things that cause tension or problems. And we, we don't quite, we're not quite aware of how that happens, right? And we're trying to power mm -hmm. through it somehow. And a mentor that might be able to observe us in that right setting and provide feedback is really helpful or anyone else. You know, I, I regard feedback as this really precious gift that we're not often given in life. And I try to seek it out when possible because it's hard to, you know, be that self-aware to see yourself always how you're being, how you're portraying yourself. Most people I work with are frightened to death of that idea of getting feedback. But if you don't get it. You're doomed to continue um, in the blind spots that you you've not get, got eyesight to. The, the, the 
key to it is, as you mentioned, finding someone who you can trust to give you that information. Mm-hmm. And the, the mentor, again, stands as someone who might be in that, uh, though it could be a coworker. Right. Um, that if you found them that you trusted on that. Um, but that's another way that you can develop. It's it's like, how do, and that's that next step. Okay, I see what the test has said. I'm like, well, let me test this on real life around me. Hey, Joe, can I ask you a question? Um, you've been working with me on this product um, for, the, for the last month. Um, can I ask you, what do you think of my style? How does it impact you and other people in the room? Where can I grow as a leader? To position it that way, to make it safe for someone else to speak into to that uh, and not just give you false kudos, because um, that's nice to have too, but um, kudos are not false ones. And, and then getting that allows you to, to, to be more cognizant of, wow, I, di- I do tend to dominate the conversation mm-hmm. or I do tend to not pull enough people in when they're being quiet. Those are uh, the types of things that you can then in the next meeting uh, be intentional about. Thinking back on that Center for Creative Leadership experience, uh, it was a six-day program. The you know the battery assessments you shared, there were 11 of us in the program and 13 people assessing us. So all the time it was... You know, people, they were just watching, right? There were a lot of psychologists yeah. and they were just there to give us feedback at the appropriate times. One of the activities was they rec- they did a video recording of us interacting in a meeting, you know, working through some a scenario. That was probably one of the most powerful things for me to reflect mm. on my own behavior. It's like, whoa, how I, my body language in the meeting was very inconsistent with what was going on internally with me as an introvert. And yeah. having that kind of feedback, that that was meaningful. Yeah, and and the the camera can't lie, the recording can't lie. Right. You know, when you come back and play uh, that type of thing, some of my early, uh, I had a phase where I was doing uh, sales for MCI, selling long mm-hmm. distance, and and they too um, said, okay, we'll sell this widget, and we're gonna film it, and then you get to see yourself, and and. You know, you can be a, a very good critic of yourself that's looking at a video like that. But uh, sure, that's a that's a great instrument as well if, if the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, another feedback tool. Very good. Yeah. And as listeners know, I love innovation quotes and always ask us to bring one for us. What did you choose and tell us why it's important to you? Okay, so I, a little explanation on the, on what I chose. I am a sci-fi reader, and let me explain why. Um, there are a billion books out there on uh, business and whatnot, and I do my best to, to, to stay abreast of those because, uh, as I tell my clients, if, if you're not um, if, if you're not reading, you're not leading. If you're if you're mm-hmm. Uh, if not, you're either green and growing or ripe and rotting, you know, right. so, so definitely be out there. But there's something about f- fantasy and fiction that allows us to remove the boundaries and think laterally, um, particularly because science is working in the space or sci-fi is working in the space of um, taking the latest in uh, in technology and saying, okay, what if all of the, the current boundaries and barriers were away what would that future state look like hmm. you know what would uh you know you you've you've got um uh yeah so anyway that's that's the the long or the short of why i like science so this particular quote comes from christopher paulini in his third book in his aragon series called Brisinger. Hmm. and uh the quote um for those not familiar with the book series about 
uh, young man and a dragon that he flies and saves the world on that. But uh, over the course of these three books, uh, uh, a lot happens. And uh, he says in a conversation with his dragon, who he has a relationship with, turmoil accompanies every great change. And we have experienced more than our share, for we are agents of that very change. What does that mean for innovation? As you introduce things that are new, it's very natural to face resistance. Hmm. Um, And being somebody who is an innovator is going to experience a degree of turmoil. And again, to be aware of that, to not necessarily chafe under resistance, but to see that as part of the process is, uh, I think, very important to the process of innovation. Right. It's a great point because we certainly will face resistance by introducing things that are new until they become accepted and then they're everyone else's idea. And, you know, it works out well, but you have to push through all that at the time. So, Correct. Thank you for sharing the turmoil accompanies every great change quote. I also am a fan of science fiction, but thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing all the insights on leadership too. How can listeners find out about the work that you're doing and uh, get connected with you if they want to? Sure. They can go to my website, summitcatalyst.com, and uh, from there, find out a little about the work that I do with organizations. And uh, if they're interested, they can either drop me a line um, at uh, one of the information emails there, and I'd be happy to get back in touch with them. Great. Ken, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing the leadership tips. Most welcome. Thanks again for listening. If we're not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me a connection request. Just search for Chad McAllister, PhD and you'll find my profile. For a summary of the discussion with Ken, go to theeverydayinnovator.com slash 145. That means we've done 145 episodes already. But if you want to look at the other ones, just go to theeverydayinnovator.com. And don't forget, at that same place, you can download the top 10 insights from the first 100 plus interviews. I created this specifically for listeners, and it's yours. Just go to theeverydayinnovator.com, and you can download it. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at theeverydayinnovator.com.